<laughs> Hello, we're having a few technical difficulties, um, but we are back with our um, part of the report for week five, and we're going to be previewing our Browns game on Sunday with the Chargers taking on the Cleveland Browns um, in week five for the NFL season. Um, we're going to bring on our guest for today, Sean, um, who I will bring on now. Very discombobulated today, Sean. <laughs> Welcome to the pod, mate. How are you? You okay? I'm good, mate. I feel your pain, mate. As a host of a podcast, I know exactly what you're going through, mate. So no apology required, Paul. I don't know what StreamYard is up to today. I just clicked record <laughs> only and now it's going live. I'm not really sure what it's doing. Um, for people that don't know you, Sean, I know you're very, very familiar around these parts to me in particular. Um, but let all the Chargers fans who are listening and watching know who you are, where you come from and what you cover. Yeah, so um, part of the Believe in Brits podcast, which is obviously part of the full 10 yards mm. network, and I suppose more importantly for me to plug is... I have the privilege and the honour, I suppose, of being the host of the flagship NFL show from the full 10 yards. Um, so myself and a few of the other lads uh, get together every Monday, review everything from the NFL, um, put that out in a podcast, and then obviously we we cover everything um, across the site. So, you know, we want this to be the place that you come to for all your American football content, college football content, betting, uh, we're growing, getting bigger and better by the week. Um, great to have you guys on as part of the, the network, as obviously the Chargers channel. Um, so, yeah, it's um, real fun to be a part of, mate. So, we're uh, a pleasure to, to be able to come and do all of this sort of um, cross-team promotion, so to speak. So, yeah, really uh, been a really good start to the season, mate. So, long mate, continue. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Obviously, as you say, growing week by week with uh, different channels coming aboard and like cross-pollination, obviously, I was over on the Cleveland Brit podcast on Monday for a short cameo appearance, and you're on to repay the favour right now. Um, but, mate, obviously, you know, we're kind of sat, I think I mentioned it on Monday, that we're kind of sat in this two-and-two two gridlock, aren't we? And I don't know if anyone saw the clip of Tom Brady talking about bad football earlier on when he was talking about a lot of two-and-two two teams, but maybe we could both fall into that in some regards, uh, in some certain parts of our teams, but... Sean, just give us a quick rundown of the Brown season so far, because it's probably been just as uneven as the Chargers. It has been uneven, mate. It's been really frustrating, though, because it's it's one of those two and twos that could <clears> quite <throat> easily be four and oh. And I suppose mm. on the flip side of that, if you were lucky with a glass half empty, it could be the other way around as well, I guess. Um, week one, Browns haven't won in week one for as long as I've supported them. So to actually get a week one win was incredible. And I'm not saying that as an exaggeration. It was like one of the longest, ridiculous streaks in the league um, that we eventually broke. That needed a 58-yard field goal to win it as time expired from Cade York. Um, the following week, it looked as though they were cruising to a relatively comfortable victory over the Joe Flacco-led Jets until they had a complete and utter meltdown in the last two minutes, um, again, a really unwanted stat going back, I think, 20-odd years that that hadn't happened and the previous team that led a lead like that slip, of course, was the Cleveland Browns against the Chicago Bears 20-odd years ago. Um, so that was obviously disappointing. They bounced back with a fairly commanding victory over the Steelers on a Thursday night football. Um, obviously, an advantage, I think, in terms of a short turnaround after a, a sort of pretty hefty defeat that you get straight back at it, particularly at home rivalry game and they took care of business relatively comfortably on that Thursday night and then again playing Atlanta this past week seemed in position to, to sort of record the victory um, but ultimately fell short um, went down by a field goal on this occasion um, so it has been up and down 
Um, you know, probably, if we're being honest, probably about where we expected to be, I would guess, at this stage. Obviously, frustrating seeing how we've gotten there because it could have been a lot different. Um, but, yeah, certainly a, an up and down and frustrating start to the season. Yeah. Let me tell the listeners and watchers as well. Sean and I were together for week one with a few of the lads from full 10 yards and he's playing down how excited he was about that cage field goal, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Walk about Birmingham has not seen some scenes like it, I don't think, for quite a while, probably since the previous weekend. But no, <laughs> um, he was very, very excited. It was good to see uh, the Browns get that victory in week one. I was surrounded by some uh, disgruntled Bengals fans as well, which made it all the sweeter for you guys, I guess. Yeah, it was a, was, it was a very fun night, mate. Very fun indeed. <laughs> Um, yeah, maybe a podcast about that in the future as we go forward. But back to football. Um, obviously, the strength of the Browns, and I obviously mentioned this over on the Belief on Brit podcast, is obviously the running game. Very, very potent running game at the moment. Uh, just over 185 yards a game, second in the NFL. One of my questions to you, Sean, is this, is this sustainable? Because everyone kind of knows it's coming, obviously. We don't want to talk about the other guy at quarterback. Obviously, you've got Brissett. Um, who's not going to, you know, throw for too many yards? He's not going to be kind of dice people up. You know, if teams just packing the box, and is this kind of sustainable to keep it this way? I know you've got a couple of really good running backs back there, but yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, it, it was my biggest concern heading into the start of the season, certainly for these first eleven games, as you alluded to, with us obviously playing um, Jacoby Brissett for that period of time. To be fair, the offense has probably been the shining light so far. It, it disappointed. It was, like I say, probably its worst showing this weekend just gone. But up until that point, it's actually been very functional. Brissett has been exceptionally steady, um, but in a good way. You know, he's you know a, a good game manager, if you like. You know, he's taken what's there. He hasn't made too many silly decisions. And, you know, we've come off a season 12 months prior where we seemingly turned the ball over regularly. Um, you know, we were constantly sort of behind the chains, taking bad sacks. And everybody knew 12 months ago that Baker and Mayfield's arm was completely enough to be shot. Hindsight's wonderful. He really should have sat out the season. And all teams did last year was stack the box and said, beat us through the air, which we couldn't do. This year, people have had to respect the pass a little bit more because Brissett's averaging just over 220 yards a game. It's not lighting up. The stat sheet, don't get me wrong, but it's doing enough that people have to respect it. Hmm. Amari Cooper's had a couple of games where he's gone over 100 yards um, and he looks really good, really, really good. You know, we've had Landry, we've had OBJ in recent years and there was obviously a lot of fanfare with both of those two, but Amari Cooper's, you know, to me in this limited action that I've seen him play, he's a cut above those two. So there's enough weapons there. David Njoku sort of um, eventually got his chance to be tight end one. Um, after sitting behind Austin Hooper on the depth chart last year. Um, and Austin Hooper was great for a three-yard curl route, and that was about all he was good for. Um, you know, but Njoku's got a lot more athleticism, so he can stretch the field. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones, again, he flashes. He's not relatively consistent, but again, he does enough. So there's enough there, although there's not that sort of huge star power that people instantly think, oh, this Brown's passing game is potent. There's enough there that teams haven't been able to stack it as much as they did last year. Mm. With that said, and I think you hit the nail on the head, you know, in my opinion, yes, I'm biased. It's probably the best duo in the league in terms of a duo. Um, and I mean that in as much as I think they're both better players with each other. You can tell when one is inactive for whatever reason. Um, you know, Kareem Hunt's not the workhorse back that Nick Chubb is. And then similarly, 
you know, Nick Chubb benefits by the fact that he can go and have a, a series or two off. He can have a breather and Kareem Hunt can come in and he runs in a different style. He brings a different sort of energy and he's obviously a bigger threat through the air as well. So they really complement each other well. Um, I think Saquon's just gone ahead of Nick Chubb in terms of rushing yards on the season, yeah. but he's certainly up there. So in terms of is it sustainable, if you'd have said to me after four games it would be this good, I would have been quite surprised. But it's actually looked very, very good, um, you know, and I don't really see any reason why that should change now. Um, you know, the offensive line's playing well, um, you know, so obviously for us, it's, it's definitely the strength. It's the key to us winning games, certainly at this stage of the season. You know, we'll obviously see what happens with the passing game later on in the season. We'll, we'll worry about that when we get there. What did he do for Bailey in the off-season? So we'll worry about that in a couple of months. <laughs> Is that, that actually sounds like something that the Chargers are trying to aspire to by getting Austin Eckler his running mate, from what Sean's saying, I would say. Yeah, I mean, Nick, Nick Chubb is probably, if I'm honest, if I if I had to rely on one one man in the NFL to get me the one yard on a third and one, it would be Nick Chubb. I think he's that good as a running back. Um, loved, loved him coming out of Georgia. Um, I think their run game definitely relies a lot also on that offensive line. It's very, very good. Probably one of the top five in the NFL, to be honest. Um, and, yeah, we would love to have someone like Nick Chubb. Um, I don't think we've ever had someone like Nick Chubb, to be honest. So it's, we'll always be searching for that. I mean, they always say probably running back is the final cog into the the sort of Super Bowl run, as you say. Obviously, you get your quarterbacks and you build, get your D-line, offensive line, adding your wide receivers secondary and then you drop a an expensive running back in right at the end don't you if if everything works out so we'd love to have someone like that but at the moment i think we're still searching mm. yeah no definitely sean obviously flipping over <clears throat> the question the other way around obviously the weakness of the defense seems to be the interior of the defensive line and it seems like you're having some charger-esque injury luck in that kind of area of the field <laughs> Does that obviously kind of worry you going the other way? Obviously, the Chargers had a bit of a resurgence last week against the Texans, who were, I'll say, maybe equally as bad as the Browns have been in terms of defending the run. Is that that's something that will worry you this week coming forward? It, it's definitely a concern. I mean, last week there were three of the four starting defensive linemen out, including the two Premier Edges, who are obviously the two big names in terms of Garrett and Clowney on the on the defence. Run defence was something that concerned me pre-season. It seems to be a position that, for whatever reason, the front office haven't really invested a lot into. Um, I think they want to stock up on corners. They want to stock up on pass rushes. And it seems as though the interior, for whatever reason, just isn't viewed as, as important. They've relied a lot on young guys. Um, Jordan Elliott, Tommy Togiai. Um I'm not a huge PFF fan, as, as Lee will rightly know, um, but I like the eyeball test. And even in the eyeball test, these two guys have stumped the place out. Um, mm. And PFF would confirm that because they're ranked 125th and 126th out of 126 defensive tackles. Um, so, yeah, that tells you how bad they have been. Um, it is it is a concern. It was kind of glossed over a little bit the first few weeks because I thought Anthony Walker Jr. at linebacker was playing out of his skin. Um, you know, he was all over the field, him and Jeremiah Rawusu Koromoa, um, plenty of speed and they were really dissecting the run. Um, this weekend just gone, Walker's veteran presence not there. He's unfortunately ended up on season injury, uh, season ending IR. Um, he won't be back again this year. 
the edges were like I say were out Clowney with an injury Garrett obviously I suppose all the Chargers fans will know by now he was involved in a car accident so he missed last week um, so he was just really exposed Atlanta ran all over us in the second half Marcus Mariota completed one pass in the entire second half um, which just goes to show you how vulnerable we were to the run but the biggest issue to be honest as much as the run defence is a concern it will always be a concern as it was better on Sunday, but there is still every week a breakdown of communication in coverage in the secondary. Last week, it was John Johnson the third, who has been a really, really disappointing free agent for Cleveland. It's got to be said, when we picked him up last year, I was cock-a-hoop. I think everybody mm. rated it as one of the best free agent signings in the early sort of part of free agency. But as to this point, it just really hasn't worked. And with 20 games in now. Um, lots of communication issues. It was a 3D zone coverage. John Johnson just didn't go with the man. I think it was Zacchaeus for the Falcons. He basically just dropped into the centre middle of the field with nobody anywhere near him. And you look at the all 22 and it's like Zacchaeus, he's like 20 yards in front of, in front of Johnson. Um, you know, that ended up as a 40-odd yard game and that ultimately led to the Falcons game winning field goal. So as much as the run defence, yeah, you'll, you'll be able to get at that all day long. You'll be able to grind away with those you know, sort of consistent chain moving plays. But like I said, the bigger concern for the Braves defensively has been those big lapses because there's been one at least every game. Um, and until they get that right, that's going to be the bigger concern because generally speaking, they have what have led to scoring plays. We were big fans of John Johnson, weren't we, Ash? We really wanted him to come over to the Chargers, obviously link up with Brandon Staley again. But, John, you're filling us with optimism. We had this last week with you and talking up our chances in the Texans and you're making it sound like a... <laughs> An easier game than maybe it will be, but we'll come. We'll see what is on Sunday, I guess. But you mentioned in there, Miles Garrett is—is is he recovered? Is he—is he, is he going to play on Sunday? He certainly returned to practice. Um, the, the social media team were quite bullish in terms of putting up pictures of him and all of that kind of stuff yesterday. Look, Miles Garrett is a—he's a specimen of a human being, isn't he? Let's be honest. I mean, he—he yeah, he, he, he looks good, whatever he's doing, you know. And um, you know, to be fair, he looked. He looked good in, in terms of the bits that you saw. They were obviously going to make that the case, though, to be honest. I've got to be honest in terms of my opinion, and I'm certainly not a medical expert at all. That car crash seemed seemed very serious. It was you know, a wreck, that, that car, wasn't it? The car was a wreck. By all accounts, it flipped several times. Um, you know, you hear the sort of initial reports. It was like bicep strain, shoulder strain. It doesn't sound like something that's you know that conducive to coming back and playing NFL a few days later. Um, we'll wait and see. He's a bit of a superhuman, you know. Mm. He, you know, let's put it this way: if I roll my car like that, mate, I'd be on season ending IR. But you know, this is <laughs> this is Miles Garrett we're talking about, isn't it? So hopefully he will play. It seems bullish that he will do. Um, mm. It may well be on a pitch count, but even Miles Garrett on a pitch count, you'd like to think would make an impact. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, I know. Obviously, you've got you guys have lost Slater. Um, I think was it you started the the rookie didn't you last week? Yeah, you sort of did, yeah. Who did fairly well? Um, so I know I was licking my lips at the prospect of Storm Norton, but I think um, unfortunately <laughs> it looks like you put you you plugged that hole somewhere else. So um, we'll wait and see. But yeah, Garrett obviously makes a huge difference if he can get on the field, and it's trending as though he will. But. Mm. Ash, how do you feel about that? Because obviously, you know, we'll mention obviously about Salia and how well he played against the Texans. 
how do you kind of fit, you know, because obviously the Texans, as much as Brandon Staley was talking up the likes of Jerry Hughes and some of their other edge guys, obviously facing Miles Garrett and the Browns is, is a different kettle of fish. How would, how, what's your kind of thoughts leading in with Jamari moving forward? Yeah, obviously it is a different kettle of fish, but I just still don't really want to take away from what he did on um, against the Texans because Jerry Hughes isn't, isn't a mug. So, mm. um, and he's got, I think he was like, the, he's got the fifth best win rate, Jerry Hughes at the moment in the NFL for, for the pass rush. So it's not like he's gone from like number 123rd rusher to number one. He's, he's mm. obviously, Miles Garrett obviously is a cut above not saying he's not, but I'm hoping even with the flaws there, you've got, um, it, which he will, if Garrett plays, obviously, fingers crossed he doesn't because it'll make our life a hell of a lot easier if he mm. doesn't play. Um, but if he does play, um, they will, I would have I would have thought they'd be silly not to line the tight end up a lot on the left-hand side just to chip block or even yeah. if it's put, put a, a fullback in just to help out. Um, and I think early on you'd, you'll see how Garrett is if he's if he's the Garrett everyone thinks he is, or if he's they're brought him back too soon. Because if he's not quite with it, then they might be able to exploit that a little bit more, and the Browns might not want him to be on the field anyway. So we'll soon see. I think even if he is active, we'll see on the, probably in the early first quarter if Garrett is is one hundred percent, shall we say? And John, just off the back of that, really quickly, who who would come in for him? If he didn't play, who's the kind of backup? Yeah, so in terms of last week, the two stars were Alex Wright, who we picked up in the draft. Um, obviously, very, very raw. They've got high hopes from him, mm. but obviously, you know, it's a lot to expect, you know, certainly with no veteran presence there to help. The other starter last week was Isaac Rochelle. Um, so, like I say, mm-hmm. it's, it's a position outside of those two starters <laughs> that it, it is it is desperately, desperately thin. Um, yeah. Like I say, it, it is a concern, was a concern of mine, still is a concern in terms of the depth right across that line. Yeah, obviously a player, Isaac Rochelle, that Chargers fans are pretty familiar with. I thought he was pretty reasonable <laughs> last when, when he played for us, but not a starter-level yeah. player, but you know, not, not someone you'd want to be out there, even against Jamari Sally, to be honest. Yeah, I think that he's the sort of player that I think that he'll have a few flash plays, but most mm. of the time you can kind of keep him under wraps. It's, he kind of like... Like you said, he kind of flashed in certain aspects, but that was over the course of a whole season. Over the course of yeah. a game, you'd hopefully be able to keep him quiet enough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Sean, just before we let you go, obviously we'll have to get into to some predictions and where this game is going to be won and lost. Aside from maybe the factors that we've already talked about, run game and pass rush and things like that, where do you feel like this game is going to be won and lost on Sunday between both teams? Uh, I think it'll be a really interesting battle between the coaches. I, I think these are two. Mm. Excellent, excellent coaches. I've got to be honest, it's becoming slightly tedious for me as a Browns fan, the amount of people that want to continually move on and change from Kevin Stefanski. He's he's head and shoulders the best coach that we have had, in my opinion, for years and years and years. Um, He seems very level-headed. He's aggressive, which I like. Um, a lot of people, and there's a lot of dinosaurs that sort of still sort of think you should kick a field goal every time you get in field goal range. And there's a time and a place, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you should never kick field goals, particularly when you've drafted a very good field goal kicker. That's obviously part of it. But people will go on about last week, the Browns going for it on fourth and fourth and goal from the three-yard line against the Falcons, and they didn't convert. Oh, you should have took the field goal. What people don't talk about is in the second half, they went for it fourth and one from their own 29-yard line. Now, conventional wisdom there says you punt the ball every time because 
if you don't get that one, you're essentially giving three points away. Mm. You know, so you can't have it both ways. You either want to be aggressive or you don't. And for me, if you if your principles are the right ones, more often than not, the results will come. Um, you know, but it's, for, for me, in terms of the Browns, what they need to do, they need to execute. They got they got inside the Atlanta three yard line twice on Saturday on their Sunday and only came away with three points. Um, despite running seven plays from those situations, they need to be much much better in the red zone. Um, you know, I think last year we had a shootout and it was like near enough fifty points apiece. I can't remember the final score, but it, it, it was one of those games that it felt like whoever had the ball last was going to end up winning. Yeah. Um, I, I don't see that this year at all. I think it'll be a lot lot closer. Um, and I think, like I said earlier, the Browns just need to be efficient. You know. We've pretty much dominated time of possession in every game we've played with the running game. And I think that's what they'll obviously try to do again. They'll try and dominate on the ground. They'll try and have long sustained drives. And obviously they'll try and limit the explosiveness of the Chargers. Um, you know, so I'm really interested, I'd say, to see that that coaching battle because I think they're they're two very young, very bright head coaches. Um, you know, and Certainly, you guys are obviously sort of watching them a lot more than I am. But from afar, looking in, you know, I'm sure you guys are probably very happy with the coach that you've got. Whenever there's a defeat, somebody wants to blame somebody, don't they? You know, it's it's like anything else, and the coach is usually the person that gets it in the neck. Mm. But I think these two coaches are both very good, so I'm interested to see what it looks like in terms of that sideline battle as much as the players actually on the field. I think it's a great point, and I think it'd be great for Chargers fans listening and watching to kind of hear. A fan of another team saying pretty much the same thing as what we say, Ash, isn't it? Because mm. obviously we've had calls for like Sean Payton on Twitter to be taken over from Brandon State recently, and it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Yes, yeah, lunacy. Like think about all the other teams like in the NFL, and they've got the that they've actually got really bad coaches. Like they're the ones that should be moaning. Do you know what I mean? And then Cleveland and the Chargers are sitting there with two really good young guys. And they're still bitching and moaning. It's, it is a strange one. It's a strange one, yeah. It's bonkers. I mean, Kevin Stefanski won Coach of the Year two years ago. Yeah. He took the Browns to the playoffs for the first time in forever. And it's like, you know, we're, we're 12 months, just over 12 months removed from that. And it's like, yeah, it's frustrating when you lose games, of course it is. But it's like, God, just remember the fact that, you know, there's 32 other teams, sorry, 31 other teams that are all trying to accomplish the same thing. You know, and I know we joked earlier, there's 15 teams at two and two. It shows you how competitive it is. Winning is not easy in this league. You you know you know that, you know, you guys obviously had a, a tough defeat a couple of weeks ago and then you bounce back with a win. Um, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's, you know, yeah. you, you sort of shake the losses off, put them behind you and you try and move on. Stefanski's excellent after a loss. So I hate to break that to you guys, but I think he's 11 and three after a defeat. Um, so he really does course correct. We don't go on a lot of long losing runs, um, you know. So he, he has been extremely good since he's joined us in that regard. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, no, I, John, I think it's like say a great point about the coaches and and yeah, the grass isn't always greener, is it, for a lot of fans? And like I say, scapegoats have got to be made. But like I say, we'll move on into final predictions then before we kind of close this one out. Sean, as our guest, we'll uh, let you go first with this one. Uh, just to throw throw me under the bus, get yeah, me, get me out the yeah. way first. Yeah, <laughs> I, I said on Monday because we did the Cleveland um, Bridge Pod on a Monday, so it's difficult sometimes to do the preview because you don't know what the injury reports looking like and all of that kind of stuff. It's still a little bit up in the air, isn't it? But as it's sort of gone throughout the week, like I said earlier, it's trending more towards the fact that that Mars Garrett is likely to play. I do think that makes a big difference. 
I've just said about the stat about Stefanski being really good after a defeat, the fact that we're at home as well. I'll pick the Browns by three points on our podcast on Monday and I'll I'll stick with that. Um, I do think it's going to be an incredibly tight game, though. Like I said, look, it will not be a surprise if this result goes either way, in my opinion. Mm. Um, ironically, I just did my NFL pickums before I joined your podcast, and I think most of the games this week, I think it's safe to say in the eyes of fans, are rather one-sided. This one is the only one in pickums, mm. apart from I think the Lions Patriots is the other one. This is the only one that seems to have a little bit of a mixed opinion on it. So I do think it's going to be a really tight game. Um, I'll take the Browns to squeaky though by by three. Hmm. Ash, what about yourself? I think the key to the game is obviously if our offense can can start the way they did against the Texans and learn from their mistakes in the second half of against that Texas game. So I think that it's gonna be, it will be close. I think that managing Brissett, making him because he is he's kind of like Garoppolo in some respects where he's a good game management but if you if you go up by maybe two or three scores you are, and then you're asking him to do the running stuff do you know what I mean and and sort of take the team on and put on his shoulders and try and win the game i think it's key whoever gets out the blocks first is going to be key on this one so I th- i'm hoping it's us um but i think it will be pretty close i think it would probably be by 3 so yeah i'll i'll go charges 20 to 17 Okay, and then I'll stick with my original, um, like say, Monday night prediction that I did over on the other pod for the Cleveland Brits. I went 24-27 to the Chargers. So, chaps, we all think it's going to be a pretty nerve-jangling one, don't yeah. we come about 9 o'clock on the Sunday evening. We think it'll be going right down to the wire. Wouldn't be surprised if it goes to overtime in, by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. But, um, yeah, like if we're going to talk about obviously kicking and things like that, I think come the reviews. Um, and obviously the Chargers got kicking walls as well. So hopefully that isn't the... The, uh, the difference there with obviously Cade York on the other side. The charges and kicking woes in the same <laughs> sense. And surely, surely not. Surely Injuries and kicking woes. For this weekend, so this will be fun. <laughs> the more things change, the more things stay the oh, same. <laughs> um, but Sean, thank you very much for jumping on with us and giving us an insight into the Browns much more than we would have been able to. Uh, just one last time, just give out uh, where we can find you on social media and again, just advertise your pod and things like that. Yeah, pleasure, lads. Thanks for having me on. Um, like I say, in terms of Brown stuff, it's the Believe and Brits podcast airs Monday evenings. Um, but as I said earlier, um, flagship show from the full 10 yards, also out on a Monday. I pull double duty Monday nights, fellas. I need to stop putting some overtime in, I think. Um, but yeah, Monday nights, the NFL show. Um, like I say, all part of the network. Check everything out, full10yards.com. And uh, enjoy Sunday, fellas. Should be a really good game. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, mate. And uh, yeah, well, I'm sure we'll speak to you again later in the year, maybe over on the NFL show at some point. Will do. Yeah. Take care, fellas. All the best. All right, mate. Take care. See you soon. Cheers, guys. Perfect. All right, Ash, what we're going to do is we will take a quick break and then we'll flip it over and we'll get straight into the uh, Houston um, Houston pre- uh, review. Sorry, I'm just doing things the wrong way around, aren't I? Because we've <laughs> done everything backwards because we've had our Sean on today. All right, we'll yeah, be back nice. in a second. The 
Houston game that uh, we played last week and obviously won. Very happy, happier than, than after the Jags <laughs> game anyway. Ash was more, more uh, wins on the way, hopefully. Well, no, exactly. Exactly, mate. Um, you know, obviously going through the AFC South one and one now, but uh, yeah, obviously, like I say, much better than uh, than the previous week and uh, no injuries as well, which is which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, apart from the kicker. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, which we'll come on to, I'm sure, a little bit later on. But yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's good just to get out there with a win, isn't it, really? And and uh, kind of bounce back, as we, as we were saying, we needed to, really, more than anything. Yeah, I think that in some ways it showed, last weekend also showed that the Jags were no mugs because they actually yeah. had a pretty decent fight against the Eagles, and the Eagles have been great recently. Yeah. They've been solid, and the, they got the Eagles flustered in the first half, and it was only because they ran the ball very, very well that they got out of that that yeah. hole. Whereas I think that if teams struggled running the ball against them and also Jacksonville didn't run it very well, which was a, a complete flip around. They didn't mm-hmm. coming up against obviously Fletcher Cox and, and that, um, uh, the young, the young dude from Georgia, Davis, Davis, Sean Davis. Yeah. yeah. Um, that um, it could have, it could have gone the other way, but it did show Chargers fans that, Jacksonville are no mugs, and though at least we they turned us over, we did play poorly, but they were a good team. So it wasn't it wasn't the Jags of <laughs> last year, yeah, yeah. the year before that, or the year before that. <laughs> Any year <laughs> apart from twenty sixteen yeah. when they were actually quite yeah. decent. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely no. You're right. It, you know they they are a decent team, and you know they're top of the FC South as much as it's a crap division and. You know, any kind of one of the teams could win it, I guess, apart from maybe the Texans who are maybe a t- tick behind the other three. But, you know, they could make the playoffs because of it. You know, it's not like being in the AFC West, is it? And we joked about it being potentially a worse division and than the AFC South with you and last week. But, um, you know, like I say, you know, playoff does, you know, playoff contender will come through from it. So yeah. um, there is that to take from it and they could be in the postseason. And Golden's problems with that defence as well and improving offence under Doug Pedersen as well. But... We're not here to talk about the Jags, we're here to talk about us beating the Texans. But before we do that, we'll just whip through a little bit of Chargers news. And I know that we've already talked about injuries and kickers and things like that. But, you know, Justin Hopkins is probably not playing, I'd say, because yeah. we've elevated or we've signed someone to the practice squad. Yeah. Someone, I know I'm not a massive kicker expert, I won't profess to be, but this bloke I have never heard of. And he's 29 no. and he's played in the AAF, USFL and CFL. Yeah, never heard of him. Is it Bart? Looks like Bartolotte or something like that. Yeah, right? Taylor Bart. I'm gonna go for Bartolet. I'm gonna yeah. make it a bit of a French tea on this end. I don't know, a bit culture. <laughs> Never, heard I don't know. No. Never heard of him. I mean, yeah. I know that you people don't have the greatest knowledge of kickers in the world, as I certainly don't, as I say, but considering his background, <clears throat> could we not just have got like some soccer player or something like that to boot a few through it? Just doesn't seem like he's got the pedigree, to be honest. It's a bit worrying. I'd have got in Blankenship just on the waivers still. Was he even Yeah, true. Him? Yeah, yeah. That's a good he's chance, got him. Like, yeah. he's, he seems all right. A bit of payback. He'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know that uh, this game's not in Wembley, but if it was, maybe we could have signed Harry Kane up because I know he said that he wanted to uh, <laughs> yeah. kick in the NFL at some point, didn't he? I think he'd be pretty decent, actually, but probably can't compete with Spurs with wages at the minute or something like yeah. that on a free agent deal. Just, maybe. Um, <laughs> what is that, sorry? Just, maybe, yeah. Maybe. Daniel Levy's pretty tight, isn't he? Let's face that. <laughs> yeah, the transfer fee would be outrageous, wouldn't it? For a couple of weeks in the NFL. But um, yeah, no, I'm not hoping that 
it doesn't come down to a kick um, on Sunday because I think it's going to be a pretty close game as we'll talk, yeah. talk about. But um, yeah, it's it's not, I don't know, it just strikes me as a bit of a weird one to be honest because like you say, there's, there's other kickers out there, guys who have played in the league, young guys who have just come out of college and and then I've never heard of this guy, this Taylor Bartley. Hopefully it's great and we're looking with egg on our face next week because he's just booted one from 60 yards and won us the game, I don't know. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> we can on the up, we can <laughs> on the up, can't we? Um, I suppose the other, the other big news and the only real piece of news that we've got to really talk about is obviously it seems like Keenan's had a bit of a setback, which is a bit annoying, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's a hamstring. I, I had a gut feeling this was going to linger. I had a gut feeling it's going to linger, and mm. it looks like it's going to. I was a little bit worried when they got they put Doss on the practice squad, um, signed into the practice squad. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping it's just like they're going to cut like Jason Moore or something because worst case scenario, if they start going, Keenan has gone to IR, I'll be like, oh, I'm fuming. Mm-hmm. I can't be dealing with any more injuries, man. <laughs> Not long-term <laughs> ones anyway. So, but um, fingers crossed. It's, I don't know at the moment. It's so up in the air with hamstrings that they, one minute they'll, they just hopefully miraculously, It'd be mm. it'd be absolutely fine, but it's I think it's this. Last week, obviously, they he was practicing a bit more. It looked like he was trending, and then he must have done something during practice to then retweak it, or something's happened, or it's just overstrained. So, yeah, it's really frustrating, especially because he's such an integral part of this offense that yeah. uh, we miss him badly, um, and especially against big teams like we did against the Chiefs and stuff. So, yeah, it's going to be a big miss this weekend. He's kind of like the Amari Cooper for them. So, like, mm. yeah, it's going to be a huge miss. But hopefully, it's it's another maybe week or two. I hope he's I hope he's back just before the bye. But at the moment, mm. I could actually see him being back week nine. To be honest. Mm. Yeah, and obviously that's half season gone, isn't it? Since he, you know, he left the opener in the was it the second quarter or was it the first quarter? I can't remember yeah, now. But yeah, early doors, wasn't it? it was second, I think it was early second quarter that he, he came off, and then everyone was like, "Ah, oh, it's a short week against Kansas to test him, see if he's all right." And he was at one point he was a fifty-fifty day day to day, and now all of a sudden it's we'll be knocking on the door week six, and he's still yeah. not back, and it. This doesn't even look like he's even close now again. So it was unfortunate. I think that whatever happened during last week practices has re-aggravated it. Mm. Yeah, like I say, hopefully it's nothing too serious and we can just kind of roll on and and you know just kind of get a bit better as time goes on. You know, in the short term, he'll be back maybe before the bye for the Seahawks game, maybe or you know even better would be the Broncos game. It kind of just got to wait for the news to come out, haven't we? And recording on Thursday evening, we've not heard yeah. Brandon Saylor speak today, so. Maybe he'll have a bit more of an update later on or tomorrow or, you know, just before the game and we'll kind of get a bit of an update. But on more positive news, I know we saw a little bit of a Michael Bandy sighting and Twitter was going wild. But two pretty important catches and two pretty decent catches as well to go along with it. So, you know, as much as obviously he's not the answer long term and he's not Keenan Allen, but if you've got a serviceable guy who can get a bit of separation and get open, then maybe he'll get us through two or three weeks. I don't know. Yeah, it's... Would have been, I think that I mentioned it on the last pod. It would have been nicer maybe to get another guy in as well. Um, if Parham was on, on they put him on Park, then they would have had another guy in that's had four weeks worth of practices more. So, yeah. but they reckon Parham's might will be hopefully fit. He's had a full practice today. So, and I think he might be quite key to be honest because we'll have one of them big dudes for the red zone, and he's he's 
he's not too bad in the run game. So I, I would I reckon that they might even use him quite a lot on on the side that Garrett plays. So you mm. and because McKitty's still struggling a little bit with some aspects of the game. So I think that they'll use Parham a lot. Um, in just putting him on, even because he's six foot eight, he's a big dude. So Garrett's going to have to get around two big dudes rather than one. So yeah. I think it's just it's just sensible game management and and sort of sort of um, just good roster um, with all the having the players there for that. So I just think having par and back will be good. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. You've led us into a really good point. It's going to be really important to get him back. And you know we have missed him in the run game, especially going outside. And you know obviously, like you said, a red zone target. And, um, you know, he's a key part of that red zone offence that was so good last year because, like you say, he's just a height mismatch and, you know, he's pretty shifty as a route runner and he can gain yeah. some yards off the catch as well. So, yeah, like you say, you might see quite a lot of 12 personnel, quite a lot of running out of that because, obviously, Cleveland don't play the run very well. And, obviously, you know, you can pass out of that as well. And you've got that versatility out of that look. So, and, obviously, it means we've got to have another wide receiver because we are pretty much down to, you know, for top-level wide receivers, pretty much down to Josh Palmer and Mike Williams. So, kind of means that we get our best personnel on the field with a, with a running back as well. So mm-hmm. it gives us options and that's kind of what you want when you've got a bit of an injury crisis going on as we as we kind of do at the minute. Yeah, definitely. But apart from that, we don't really have too much too much in terms of news. Do we, as you mentioned, Keelan Doss signed to the practice squad. Hopefully that is nothing more than that because I don't remember him doing anything in the NFL. I know he was at the Raiders for a bit. I think he was at the Jags for a bit. But it's a pretty nothing signing to me, and I hope it mm-hmm. comes with nothing. It doesn't really see the field, even if it is just to, like I say, replace someone like Jason Moore. But I didn't really want to sneak him in the news because hopefully it comes to nothing. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it does come to nothing. It's just when they signed him, I was like, please don't let this be anything to do with mm. Keenan Allen because it's going to infuriate me. So fingers crossed, like you said, it's just they, they maybe what they might have done is they might have covered it for um, Palmer. Mm. Um, because obviously he's limited at the moment. So, and if he trends, then I think that it'll, they'll just either cut him afterwards or whatever, or start through practice or whatever, stay on the practice squad for a little bit. But um, maybe it's just cover for him. Just maybe they're yeah. a bit worried about him. Maybe I've, I, I would have thought that Bandy would go up anyway because um, <clears throat> I, I don't know if they put him back down and then they're going to bring him up again, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then um, they've obviously got Hightower in there as well. It's been in there for a couple of weeks. So you would have thought as a vertical guy as well, maybe he's just that he's he's going to have an extra week knowing the playbook. So you would have thought that he'd be a guy before Doss would come up in any way as well. So I would have thought Bandy and Hightower would be promoted way before Doss. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a really, really good point. So um, let's move over to talking about the Houston game that we won, like I say, bounce back game. We beat the Texans just as we needed to do. Like I said, it's off the pod. It was better, but was it? Or were they just bad? Because obviously, Ewan was talking down quite a lot, uh, you know, on the pod last week when we had him on um, as our Texans expert. I thought it was a bit of both, to be honest. I thought we were, yeah. we were decent. I thought we were good, especially in the first half. I thought we started the game really, really well. Obviously, Naz got his pick, but then the duality of Naz, you know, means that he is really flat-footed for. Um, Damien Pierce's massive run <clears throat> touchdown that kind of gets them back yeah. into the game. I know that's a bit later on in the game, but you know, to open up with a pick and then go down and score and get in the lead and look good, I thought was great. And I thought more of that, but then we kind of wobbled not as much as I thought that some charges fans were making out, especially on Twitter. But 
you know, I thought we could have kind of made that a little bit more comfortable, but I felt that we did kept keep my arms like bar that little mad spell where we gave him 10 points pretty much with obviously the touchdown that that drive just looked way too easy. And then obviously the Dandre Carter fumble on the uh, on the kick return. Yeah. I thought we came straight out of the blocks really well this week. I thought we needed to suck we we've been starting not slow, but we've never we haven't started like that in a while where it was yeah. like seemed to be like bang, 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 three touchdowns where we're in. Um, and then obviously we kind of took our foot off the gas a little bit in some respects where well, we'll play a bit more run, drop back, conservative passing, protect Herbert, etc. And then they broke off the big run, got their momentum back, swung the crowds. Everyone was a bit more up for it. Then second half started, we were a bit sluggish. And then they they chipped away at us, really. And I think that it wasn't until we realised, the, the players sort of realised actually they're a lot closer than we need them to be. Then they put their foot on the gas again and and we sort of saw the game out. But it it did still worry me that third quarter again was really poor. Coming out of halftime at the moment, we have been struggling in a few of these games. So it needs to definitely pick up coming out of halftime and, and keep the momentum going from the first half. Because I think the f- really we've been in first half, we've not been bad. We weren't even that bad against the Jags. We were only down by, I think mm. we were down by maybe eight I think it was like 16 7 or something like that so it wasn't like but we seem to come out of halftime and just we don't seem to be with it in that third quarter and I think that we need to try and try and improve on that yeah 100% it does definitely seem to be a second half drop-off doesn't it in terms of maybe the play the attitude the mindset things like that. I mean we've been talking about champion championship mindset haven't we the whole like season it feels like now and you know it, it is kind of getting to the point where if you feel like that we are getting to the point where this game's slipping away from us a little bit, it just calls into question this mentality of the team. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's kind of coming down from the top because I know that the Chargers fans on Twitter favourite thing to do is to pin everyone on Joe Lombardi. But, you know, when you are going into your shell trying to run and run and run, it does kind of feel a little bit like that, like that's got a little bit of legs. And I don't buy into the theory completely and wholly, but it doesn't kind of buy into that aggressive mindset, that tough mindset that Brandon Staley preaches where he get, wants to keep his foot on the gas and just kind of score points on people until the end of the game. Do you know what I mean? And if you're just trying to kind of run and see out the game, and there's a time and a place for that. Week one last year against Washington was a perfect example of that. I know it's going back quite a long time, but we ran out the game in the fourth quarter. But, you know, in the third quarter, you don't really need to be doing that. You just want to go up, put teams that are bad, let's be honest, to bed. Hmm. And make it a comfortable one. Don't you know? Guard against that kind of ten-point comeback that they have, so that it comes, so they can score ten more points. And it's like, all right, you're just down by twenty now instead of thirty, and it doesn't yeah. really matter. You know, rather than it be that oh, they're actually like pretty close now within one score, and if they get a touchdown here, actually after that fumble, and they're actually ahead for the first time in the game, it's the third quarter, and momentum, yeah. like you say, has swung all the other way. Yeah, yeah. Just keep your foot on the gas uh, and yeah. uh, just keep putting people to bed. I would say. Yeah, because they got cl- they got a lot closer than it needed to be. To be honest, mm. they got a lot closer. And at one, they they although we say that it was a comfortable win, that third quarter they had an opportunity there to be literally. It was like down by three, and all of a yeah. sudden you're if they had if we didn't do anything in the fourth and then they came back then all of a sudden they're, they're going down the end to either a field goal to tie it or it was only because our offence kind of realised it and stepped on the gas again in that fourth quarter that we sort of managed to obviously seal that win off. But 
at one mm. point I was I was getting a bit twitchy again. It's, it seems to be this third quarter thing at the moment. It's kind of mm. kind of grating on me. Yeah, and you don't want it to get into the minds of people, do you? And potentially even the players that the mm. fact that you know we've kind of heard Joey Bosa let the curtain sort of pull back the curtain a little bit because he's kind of let people into the mentality of past Chargers teams, not necessarily maybe this one, but. You know, they kind of knew that they let games slip in bizarre fashion, and he's kind of mentioned it on. I mean, it might have even been in like the you know the team's actual socials that you know he kind of knew that you know we're going to lose this game now because that just happened, and yeah, it can't be the only one who feels like that. Do you know what I mean? So if they're prone to that a little bit, then you can't let it kind of almost infect the mindset even more. So Ash, obviously, I mentioned it a minute ago that obviously we gave up like a massive run. And we've done that now, obviously, two two or three games in a row. Why is it that you think that we're giving up these huge runs? I've got my own theory on it, but do you think there's anything in it that, you know, from your point of view? Um, I think, I, I do think in some respects it is just bad luck. But I do think that they, I think the two big runs we seem to give away, it seems to be that they've they've really over-egged trying to stop this they bounced outside both times, like it's kind of like bounce, bounce, and gone past. And like you said, you've caught the safeties flat-footed, and we've mm. kind of like we've sent everybody down there, and we haven't covered. Like it just seems to be a little bit, maybe even some sort of naivety, really, in some respects, where you think, oh, we're just gonna we'll stop them here, and then they pull off this big chunk play. It's it's I think it's a little bit of both. It's it's naivety in some ways, and in some ways, I think it's just a little bit of bad luck. Yeah, I think we've been a little bit over-aggressive at times. I think, like, our blitz rate seems to be quite up from what we saw last year. And, you know, if they're, like, plugging that up and the blitz isn't getting through and, like you say, they're just bouncing amongst the outside, you left one-on-one for safety. And let's be honest, apart from Derwin, our safeties aren't great tacklers. Hence why JT Woods hasn't even seen the field by all accounts. And then, you know, that's it then, isn't it? And, you you know, you've got players that can just blow by. I don't even think Damien Pierce is that much of a burner, but... You know, if you've got everyone kind of committing to one thing and it just gets kind of plugged up, then I just think they're almost like overcompensating for wanting to be aggressive yeah, and going for it a bit too much in terms of the blitz. And it's like, especially yeah. on third down, I feel, feel like third and medium, you've got Davis Mills at quarterback. He's not exactly like one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. You're blitzing him and he just, like, if you can find the open guy, then yeah. you're able to get like eight yards quite easily. Whereas if you just play safe, normal coverage or yeah. just plug the run, you're not going to get it. You know what I mean? It's the Houston Texans yeah. at the end of the day. So just, that was one thing that really grinded my gears a little bit. And especially because mm-hmm. it led to one runs and it has done for a couple yeah. of, you know, against a couple of teams that we're looking at at the start of the season, despite all the context that we probably shouldn't be in. Yeah. Both of them big runs as well changed the momentum flip as well. Mm, both huge runs, yeah. Like if we had stopped the Jags on the fourth and one, it probably wouldn't have been the same scoreline. And obviously same with the Texans. If, if we stopped Pierce there, I think it could have been a case that we got another touchdown. The game would have been over and dead and buried by then anyway. So mm. like you said, you've got to stop these. That's, I mean, the Chiefs have always been really good at it. Stop these big, massive chunk plays. Um, and then you you can kind of kill momentum in, in stadiums and, and the crowd because, let's face it, everybody loves big plays. Everybody yeah. loves big plays in the stadium. So when you do, when you can crush them and stop them, then the, you can hush the crowd a little bit. So I'm hoping that that's the case this weekend against the Browns. Yeah, no, 100%. And obviously we've got two big running backs who are playing really well. And obviously the Cleveland running game is going really well. Um, so hopefully we can stop that. 
um, being the, the, the fourth week in a row, I would say, for, for a big run being given up against us. Nevertheless, it was a win, so I want to kind of get away from talking negatively because, you know, we did win and we, we kind of, you know, did pull away. We didn't charge her, which is another thing that really grinds my gears, but never mind, that's another topic for another day. But I thought Justin Herbert looked much better, unaffected almost. If you told me that he was injured prior, you know, without any prior knowledge, I wouldn't have said no. If you ask me if he'd been injured, because he didn't seem affected, he didn't seem to be kind of off target as he was against the Jags, where you know balls were going behind guys, he was kind of timing was not kind of there. He's a full participant in practice on Wednesday, yesterday, for the first time since the injury. Mm -hmm. Great news, you know what I mean? It just means that you know 340 yards and no no interceptions and pretty mistake free. It was like having him back to normal, I thought. Yeah, definitely. I think that having that having a better week's worth of practice really helped because I think that that the one it was really it was just the everything that could have gone wrong for that Jags week went wrong mm-hmm. and then obviously this week just having the practice more practice and knowing obviously now we've got this left tackle in more practice with that left tackle and they had Lindsay back which I thought yeah. was so key to Huge, the game yeah. Um, yeah. so there was there was a few things that did help Herbert along the way um, and obviously they they had the run game was far more effective than it's been um, in some respects than it was previously in the other in the other two games. So there was a few things that did help Herbert last week, which probably maybe felt like it probably took took the sh- took his shoulders down, like he was a bit more relaxed. Where at the moment we're we're asking a lot of the guy to put put the whole team on his back seems to be every week at the moment and say, can you dig us out of this hole? Whereas last week, I think a lot of the guys did help him out. And I think that helped him relax more, which a relaxed Herbert um, firing on all cylinders is a, is a good place to be. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, long may it continue, hopefully, you know, as we've kind of mentioned, you know, and we will mention it further, that obviously he was pretty much untouched throughout this whole game, unlike the Jags game where we got a few QB hits to him. Mm-hmm. You know, the more that goes on, the healthier he becomes and the less wear and tear he kind of sustains as he goes through this recovery period, which is going to be ongoing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is going to be massive. And obviously the Browns suffering, obviously Miles Garrett being in the car accident, might not play, may or may not play. We'll find out as kind of the game comes closer. The Browns' defensive line is not looking too strong. Hopefully you can go through another game where you can establish the run game and Herbert can go through another week with you know, minimal kind of wear and tear, I would say. Yeah, hopefully that's. I mean, that's the. That'd be absolute dream if we can get get another week similar, like not touched, mm. protected, kept clean. Like having Lindsay back, I think is really key, and obviously yeah. having yeah. a left tackle that's that's come in, he's done really well as well. So yeah, um, hopefully this the same again this week. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other massive positive, I think, was just the fact that Austin Eckler is just back in the end zone and <clears> just <throat> on the score sheet again, and just looking some way towards being you know back to his normal self yeah again we we kind of relied on him a lot last year and it seems to be everyone thought that when we drafted spiller it would relieve the pressure off him and it still hasn't so hmm. we're still asking a lot of eckler and sometimes when it it we like he doesn't turn up or not doesn't turn up but doesn't quite get some of the yardage that we're asking him to do people people get down on him a little bit. And I think that you, we're just asking a lot of some of these superstar guys where sometimes it's our depth players that have also got to step up and, and help these other guys out. So, but Eckler looked great. He looked a bit more shifty. Um, 
the lanes were there, which was probably a benefit um, because Pipkin's design was was great on Sunday. Mm. Uh, on Sunday, they really opened the right hand side up. They were, I think, they accounted for there was only like three or four run plays on the right hand side, and two of them accounted for the TD. So they were they were excellent on on. He did help at Eckler, but he looked a lot more like himself. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't mind Isaiah Spiller being activated in the next couple of weeks because, you know, I don't think Kelly or Sonny Michelle have been particularly terrible, but just give him a go. Do you know what I mean? Like, what's the worst that could happen? He's like not great, but you've got the other, you know, whoever you don't activate out, Michelle or Kelly, you've yeah. got him to come in the next week, or you've got the other guy who is actually activated to come in and spell Eckler. Just yeah. give him a go. You've drafted him for a reason in the fourth round. Do you know what I mean? And he, he can pass catch as well. So yeah. I would just like to see him, just see what we've got. Do you know what I mean? I, I was quite disappointed on the weekend to see, uh, obviously, Woods was not playing, not even activated. Obonia was not after playing reasonably well the previous week. And then, obviously, Spiller. It's just, you know, you get a quarter of the way through a season and, like, your draft class really hasn't even kicked off yet, you know, apart yeah. from the two offensive linemen that we, we'll talk about. But... Yeah, I just kind of want to see him, I think, and just kind of see what we've got in terms of the running game and just mix it up a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, just before we kind of move on, so you mentioned the offensive line, and we'll talk about Jamari Salyer in a second, but is, is Trey Pipkins good now? I know. I can't believe I'm saying <laughs> it. Well, touch wood, he stays good. Yeah, touch yeah, yeah. He stays good. There's always the capability. But it looks like everything that everyone was talking about this off-season and were hoping what this off-season was where he went down with Duke and he was mm. training with the guys more and it seems like he's put the work in. I think that it's kind of just clicked a little bit for him. I think That's that it. he's become stronger, which is probably one of his downfalls because he was always relatively mobile. Like He wasn't the quickest of guys, but he was pretty athletic. Um, but he just seems to be stronger, more, um, just a bit more ruthless as a player. And I think that... I, I, point back to it what I've been saying all pre all preseason and early part of the season having a right guard there like Zion to mm. help them out is just it, you can't put you can't really put a price on it so like having him I think that in some respects that kind of was in their mindset when they drafted Zion which is listen we've got Pipkins here we believe in him but the only way he's going to ever be able to live up to this is if we get someone in at Roy guard that can help him out because mm. if you keep putting him on an island having Schofield out there and um I can't even remember the guard that we Trey Turner out there and stuff yeah. they, they just weren't performing very well they were really bad so having someone to come in you know he's really sturdy is help Hipkins and if I'm honest you could even argue now which I was I was, I was completely out on Pipkins I was like we've got to sign a new right tackle it's when we got Sayer in, I was like, "Yep, he can go right tackle." I was even file a right tackle, like anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously not Norton, but he was a close second. <laughs> but I, I have to hold my hands up and say he's absolutely proved me wrong, and he's done more than enough to say could he be priority signing number one this off season? I'd mm. probably argue, yeah. To be honest, saves us a draft pick as well, doesn't it? Because obviously, I think even a few weeks ago we were talking about you know coming to the last week of preseason. I think you said you know if you could pre, you know sign a free agent, what position? I think I said right tackle. I can't remember if you did too, but saves us a draft pick. It'd be a pretty high up draft pick as well. You know, it wouldn't be a, a fourth, fifth rounder. It'd be a yeah. first or second that you save in there. If Pipkins is continuing to be above average and, and pretty yeah. decent, and like you say, he's got the strength in the run game anyway now, and yeah. him and Zion mean that you can. 
run off the left and the right, you know, once Slater's back next year and you've got your line now looking quite young and tough and strong. And, you know, just to give a quick shout out to Zion before we talk about Salia, 179 pass block reps and zero pressures and zero sacks allowed. Sorry, not zero pressure, sorry, zero sacks allowed. Can't say better than that, can you, from your first round pick? No, he's been awesome. He's been really awesome. Like, mm. obviously, you could, when you were hearing things, obviously, through preseason and, and through the draft um, about th- this guy's work ethic, and I think that's, he's kind of gone into a locker room where all of the guys he's, he's in with are proper pros. Lindsley Lowe, he's, he's the same. Like, it's all about making sure that you are, um, really, really, really good at your positional play, and he just seems to be doing everything right. Like I, I think that this off season um, that we just had, that all, all of the stuff where he was staying after practices and yeah. like put, doing snaps at centre, like some guys just don't, they just don't have that in him. He just seems to have that work ethic to be. He's going to get better and better and better. And I think, to be honest, he's going to be, he's going to be regarded as like a Zach Martin in this league. I think he's going to be that good at guard. Yeah, I think so. I think he's going to be really top shelf. Um, I was listening to um, our friends over at Guilty of Charge podcast. I think they were talking after the, the Texans game and kind of thinking into the future about the Chargers offensive line of from left to right of Slater, Salia, Lindsley, Zion and Pipkins. And that is not very costly, apart from you know Lindsley, you know, while they're all on the rookie deals. From next yeah. year, that is looking like a rugged, tough, mean, young talented offensive line looking you know, moving forward that's fantastic isn't it looking forward to that yeah 100 percent. if they can re-sign um pipkins get him in hopefully he continues this this sort of progression mm. this year um there's nothing to say that he won't we don't even um, need him to be like a superstar really we just need to don't, be no, and we, we were saying it before is if you've just got serviceable guys on the offensive line that is more than enough. It's when you've mm. got complete turnstiles that are just yeah. horrendously yeah. bad is when your offensive line falls flat on its face. And I think that we found, we seem to have, we've gone into this off season really, really worried about what the offensive line is going to look like as a future, especially on the right-hand side. And all of a sudden within one draft and one off season, we've plugged in three positions because We've got Zion, we've got Salia as a swing tackle and as a left guard, and Pipkins has just come on leaps and bounds. So you can't really argue and sort of be mad about the situation we are in, considering what we were looking at pre-draft. Everyone's a bit nervous about it, and now all of a sudden we're swinging from the raft tops. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, and you know, just thinking back a little bit further, like three, four years ago, and it was an absolute mess. And now you've got yeah. a top five left tackle and then all these other guys took the best centre in the league. Yeah. You've got two of the young guards potentially as the future. And then obviously you've got a serviceable uh, development or right tackle who you have developed successfully, although it's taken a little bit long over a long time. But yeah, he's got there. So you kind of got to take your hat off to the Chargers and their coaching staff and how they've kind of built this offensive line because it has worked, you know. Yeah, definitely. And I think that I would always, I'd always be an advocate to still address the offensive line in some regard in the draft. Obviously, we don't mm. need to take not first round picks again because we we've done it the last two. But it's definitely worth still investing, especially if you've got a, a nagging tendonitis injury with with the centre, um, yeah. and also if we do lose a tackle and Sally has got to play as a swing tackle, we lose a guard. So I would, I would still be looking at an interior guy in the draft later on and I think you can get them guys in the third and fourth round so yeah I'd agree I'd agree I wonder if there's anything in the 
senior ball snaps that Zion was taking at centre. And I wonder if he's maybe the the guy who can take over from Lindsay in the in the future. Obviously not writing off Corey Lindsay in you know, making this knee problem a, a bigger deal than it is. But I wonder if we can get away with signing a guard and then Zion will become the centre. But we'll see. I guess it's exciting to kind of have these options, like I say, looking back three or four years and it was an absolute car crash of an offensive line with yeah. Rivers behind it. Now yeah. you've got, you know, top five quarterback behind this young offensive line. It's looking rosy, isn't it? After yeah, many years of it being yeah. an absolute shit show in the offensive line, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and obviously we can't really um, move on from this topic really without giving a massive shout out to Jamari. Um, just absolutely spotless, you know, oh, just yeah. throughout the whole thing and just looking really effective both in the run and the pass and, you know, not giving up a pressure throughout his, his debut. Yeah. And uh, obviously he's got tougher tests to come than the Texans, but you just literally can't ask for any more and he just looked like an NFL football player out there. Yeah, for sure. I think that, I, I think that the sixth round value gives people that, Inkling it, people that don't know him or watch college football will be like, you got you got such a good player in the sixth round. But actually, if you actually go and watch his tape as a left tackle at Georgia in the SEC, like how did he even fall to the sixth round? Like, yeah, that's he wasn't it. that yeah, bad 100%. on tape. Like he wasn't even that bad on tape. It's not like, oh, he doesn't pro- pro- I know people going, Oh, he doesn't project well as a tackle, he's more of a guard, but he's been playing left tackle for Georgia, he's got <laughs> one of the potent offenses. It's not like you you just stuck a dummy out on the left-hand side and gone, gone, then go and play. This guy's been playing in the SEC at left tackle for Georgia. Like, how did he even fall in the sixth round? The national league? champions, no less, let's say that. Like, as I don't well. know, like, like, for us to have got him there was an absolute steal, to be honest. And, like, we were... There was there was other players, obviously, where I was talking about Lucas as a right tackle, and mm-hmm, if we don't get mm-hmm. him, like, which other player? And Sally was always there. Like, it's, oh, if we can get him, like, that's great. If we don't, we don't. But like, he just seems to have been an absolute gem and absolute fine. So, yeah, he, he was outstanding against uh, the Texans. Like, I know that the pre- I know that the Texans aren't the greatest, but he didn't put a foot wrong. Like, mm. let's, let's just be frank about it. He was so he was really really good, and he deserves all the plaudits. Absolutely. And do you know what? Like, he might come on in the next few games, and there might be some blips. Might have a bad game. And there will. But... There will be. Yeah. That's what rookies do, especially you know, day three rookies at that, as even though we are in agreement that he shouldn't have formed that, that sort of stage of the draft. But this just shows the potentials there. And you know, if he comes back and like say Matt Filer is getting getting caught because you know the contract just is a cutable contract in the next you know few months after the season's finished, and then you've got you know you ready-made left guard, and like you say, you just keep backfilling it, you know, with the later stage of the draft, finding a new center when that time comes you've got an offensive line that will it'll be there for a long, long time. And, you know, he's going to learn from some things and he's going to have some good games and some bad games. But, yeah, absolutely, let's uh, tip our hats to him and uh, give him all the plaudits, as you say. Mm-hmm. Flipping over to uh, another player who I think has come on absolute leaps and bounds. I think I gave him a game ball after one of our first couple of games is Asante Samuel. My question to you that one is kind of pose is he, is he the best corner on the team? probably is at the moment he is at the minute i think i don't think it's moving close to be honest no no i think he is at the minute i think that he he's he's starting to remind me of his old man put it that way Mm. like he Mm. is really seems to be really twitchy he just seems to be on it just seems just seems to have them instincts that his old man used to have and it just seems to be coming into this season definitely yeah 100 percent. i mean he's just making plays and 
I suppose like, you know, you've got Michael Davis running into the kicker on the return, giving away a flag. It's just completely needless. You know, we'll come on, we'll kind of join this in with the JC Jackson question that I was going to pose as well. Is like, what's wrong with him? Like, obviously he's coming back from an injury and he's rusty and he's not had any preseason and things like that, but he just looks miles off Samuel. And, you know, Samuel's a second year player, JC Jackson, regarded as maybe the best corner in the NFL 12 months ago when he was playing for the Patriots and just looked world apart. And, and Samuel is just on an upward trend that is just going and going and going. And one thing that obviously he had last year when he had a couple of concussions and things, you know, tackling form and things like that, he just seems to have sorted that out now. Yeah. He just seems to be playing fast. He's like, he put in some massive tackles. One in particular that sticks out in my mind was when he stuck OJ Howard, who is obviously a six foot five and tight end, probably about six, you know, you know, I'd say six foot four, 260 pounds, maybe even a bit more. And he's lopping him to the ground as well. Like, I just thought that was an outstanding play. Do you know what I mean? Just like more of that, please. Yeah. He's been learning wrestling moves off Derwin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he saw uh, saw Derwin yeah. launching Travis Kelsey and thought, well, I need to do that to a tight end to keep up with him. So, yeah, no, I just thought I'd just give a shout out to Samuel because I just think he's yeah. just playing outstanding at the minute and long may yeah. continue. And obviously, Jackson mm-hmm. sort of like moving in, you know, in the right direction, hopefully, over the next few games and gets his feet underneath him. Yeah, I, I've i got a sneaky suspicion Jackson, Jackson gets a pick this week. Oh, yeah. Changes, yeah. Changes the momentum of him. Hope so. Hope so, because he, he does need one, doesn't he, I think? I don't think he's yeah. got close yet, has he, in his, in his time that he's played so far. Yeah. I've got a sneaky. Hope so. Yeah, that means <laughs> Brissett's not going to throw it too much, is he? But we'll see. Yeah. He's got to throw it at some point, especially, like you said, if we if we get up early and that's the kind of way of it and we force him into it. But we we shall see. Um, but, yeah, no, like I say, beat the Texans, positive, just to kind of round up this kind of pre uh, this re- review, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, beat the bad teams, I guess, and just kind of don't make a meal of it as much as we did in future. Yeah, definitely. The, the like you say, squat come out of half time a little bit more on the ball, I think, and just clean up these uh, some of these mistakes. And if we, like you said, if we can get get up against Cleveland, then I'm hoping that we learn from what we did at the weekend, and and we hopefully can see out the game if we do go up early. So, yeah, fingers crossed. All right, let's round off this uh, portion of the programme by just giving out our game balls. Ash, have you got a game ball that you want to give to one of our players for the Texans' victory? Yeah, we talked about him earlier. You, I can't, I can't not give a game ball to Sadia, to be honest. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I had two yeah. game balls, I'd give him both, to be honest. So, like, for him to step in, obviously, everyone knows how much we miss Slater, and we will this season. Like, it's not, he's not going to be the like replacement for Slater. Yeah. If he is, then wow like unbelievable. <laughs> but we know he's not going to be but even with a few hiccups down the road what he did to come in under those circumstances Herbert's injured morale's low and mm. him to step in and do what he did I thought was outstanding and he deserves it yeah absolutely he plays played up to our excitement I mean we were saying you know we, we didn't want Norman to play I don't think any Chargers fan really was looking forward to that prospect but as soon as Sally got announced as being the starter it was like oh, all right okay at least it's not Storm Norton and, you know, let's see what we've got in this guy. And it just went as well as it could have done, really, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I will go in a different direction. I'll give it to Austin Eckler because I know we're kind of matching Brandon Staley's game balls in. It's not very creative, but it was just great to see him back in the end zone because he's not really looked, you know, himself over the, the course of the first three weeks before that. And, you know, to get three touchdowns, just kind of kickstarts him hopefully and he can hopefully just just get in there i know he's still not 
producing fully as a runner, but it doesn't really matter. I don't really mind as long as the yards, as long as the touchdowns, it's mm-hmm. fine. And we know that he loves to get in the end zone. I saw the, the locker room interview with him afterwards and he was absolutely relieved. And he's very self-aware as a person and I think definitely as a football player. And uh, yeah, he, he kind of knows that he could have been better and should have been better. And um, I'm sure he'll have one in a, an end for the nose, zone, uh, end for the n- nose for the end zone. Sorry, <laughs> nose for the end zone. And uh, you never know; the Browns might give him a touchdown again and drag him in, as they did last year. <laughs> if you remember that weird late yeah. in the game. Yeah. <laughs> Funny old game. Um, but yeah, we will we'll close it out there, um, matching Brandon Staley for our game balls with his. Um, but yeah, no, we'll leave it there, Ash. Um, Let's just close out the program and uh, just tell everyone where you are on social media. Yeah, I am there. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it, with it being mirrored? Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> Tills are nine ninety nines. Awesome. And I'm at Wakefield Night, as you can see on the screen. And we are at Powder Blue Report, part of the Full Time Network. And uh, yeah, you can find us on Twitter at Powder B Report. And also like and subscribe our YouTube channel. Hopefully, where you're watching this, when I've pieced all these little bits together. Um, with StreamYard messing us about with all these live broadcasts <laughs> when I'm just meant to record it. But if you are watching on Twitter or on Facebook or anywhere else, thanks for watching and sticking with this absolute mess that we've put out today. Um, but yeah, we'll sign off there. Thank you for listening and we will see you next week, hopefully after another Chargers win against the Browns. Mm-hmm.